0: On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, this month, we're talking about distribution. Every brewery owner needs to decide if it's right for their business and to weigh the pros and cons between a distributor partner, self-distribution, or keeping your beer sales solely in-house. This is John Hall, and welcome to episode 45. A quick word on content. This show is for nanobrewers, both existing and in planning. So tell us what you want to hear about. What are the topics that you want to learn more about? And what issues are you interested in? And who are the brewers you want to hear from? Email us. It's nano at byo.com. And also, BYO Nanocon is coming on November 3rd and 4th of 2023. Learn from craft brewing industry experts with live online sessions covering brewery operations, business operations, sales, and startups. Register now for the 2023 Nanocon online event and save $150 through Friday, October 8th. Visit byo.com to register. Don't miss this targeted conference for anyone running or thinking about starting a small-scale craft brewery. Learn the business, marketing, and brewing strategies targeted for your size needs at NanoCon Online. From strategies to building back taproom sales to more accurately managing cash flow to checking out the latest nano-scaled gear, you'll learn invaluable and very timely strategies from experts and from nano-brewers. Learn more and register today at byo.com. And now, on to the show. Distribution is a word that keeps many brewery owners awake at night, sorting out the logistics, worrying about inventory, staff, and sales. For many, it's a necessary part of the business. And our guest today will talk about the various paths a brewery can take. First, we're going to hear from Laura Lodge. She's the owner of Customized Craft Beer Programs, Start a Brewery, and the author of Distribution Insight for the Craft Brewer. And then we're going to hear from Will Loring of Lesser Known Brewing in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But first, a word of thanks to this show's sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Fermentis. Nanobrewers, try adding a cider to your lineup. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Safe Cider Range, four cider strains available in five gram pouches, the perfect size for you. Just make your choice or try them all. To learn more about how Fermentis can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentis.com. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They love being able to give back to the industry, which is why they've kicked off their ninth keg Viking giveaway. The grand prize is their state-of-the-art keg Viking keg washer, plus a full palette of half-barrel kegs from G4 Kegs. Check out more details and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. This episode is also sponsored by Brewers Publications, the leading publisher for craft brewers. Now available, brewery safety principles, processes, and people. It's the first and only safety book for the craft brewing industry. No matter the size of your brewery, author Matt Stintfield's insightful chapters will help you evaluate, educate, and execute safety-conscious measures. Order Brewery Safety at brewerspublications.com BYOPOD, and you can save 10% with discount code BYOPOD through December 31st, 2023. Also, get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash NanoPlus for more details. And now let's get into the conversations. The co-founder of the Big Beers, Belgians and Barley Wines Festival, Laura Lodge has been engaged in the craft beer industry since 1997. She's the owner of customized craft beer programs, designing events, resort retail programs and educational programs based on craft beer. And she's also the author of Distribution Insight for the Craft Brewer. She joined me via Zoom. Laura, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here again. And in thinking about distribution, especially for the smaller breweries, um, there are still – and I'm excited about this – but there's still uh, quite a few brewery in planning out there, breweries in planning uh, out in the world. And if distribution is something they've thought about or maybe thinking about, um, how early do those – paving blocks, those building blocks, those thoughts, um, how early should they be creeping in and started to be acting upon in the brewery planning process?
1: Well, first, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk to you for however long I guess to talk to you. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, well, this is a question that we we considered carefully when we were putting Start a Brewery together, because Start a Brewery is based on the timeline that you would want to be putting all of the building blocks, as you say, together. Um, so we we put distribution considerations in the first step in the planning stage and then kind of gave it a break and then came back in the open stage. So the act stage didn't, didn't have any action items for distribution. Um, in the plan stage, I think it's really important when you're putting together your business plan to consider how much distribution you do or do not want to do in the vision of, of who you're going to be, of what you're building. Um, if you do want to do some distribution, whether it's self-distribution or formal third-party distribution, and I guess this is a good place to add that little asterisk that says every state is different. Yes. Um,
0: yeah. Consult your local laws before right. proceeding. Yeah.
1: Right. If you if it's not legal in your state, then um, obviously you'll either need to stick with just your tap room or third-party distributor um although funny story here I'm going on tangents already um, I was always entertained <laughs> by the convoluted laws um in some states for example Kentucky used to be that you had to sell your beer from the brewery to a third party distributor in order to sell it back to yourself in the tap room your own tap room to sell yeah, it yeah
0: I remember that yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, just just be aware that there's some really weird things out there. It's like so, revolving
0: doors, right? It had to leave the brewery, go into the parking lot, and then right back in.
1: Uh yes, but I think there was probably some technical idea of it had to be counted as inventory for the wholesale yeah. and counting yeah. back out as inventory. Um anyway,
0: so, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so
1: so just be cognizant of the fact that there's crazy stuff out there that you should pay attention to. Um, but if you're, if you, when you are doing your your business plan layout, if you're thinking about self distribution or if you're thinking about third party distribution, you should really be aware of the costs, just the basic costs that each are going to require, and the difference in margin that you will see, and the expenses that will still be present. For example, there is a myth that was perpetuated i don't know, probably at the beginning of distribution, that once you sign a distribution contract, that you no longer need sales folks of your own
0: Oof. in yeah. that
1: area. And for some time, that may have been true. Um, when I first was brought into the craft beer universe in the late '90s, early 2000s, um, there were a lot of breweries who who still were very strongly In the camp that I signed a contract with you, you should do all of the sales and the growth of the brand, and I should no longer have that expense. And as we have moved through time, that has become um, less and less and less true to the point now where there are some distribution contracts for third-party distributors that specifically say, we are not growing your brand, building your brand, advocating for your brand, doing promotions. We're not doing any of those things. We are a... um, order taker, storage and delivery facilitator, and we do not even make any pretense about building your brand. If you want to build your brand, grow your brand, then you need to be in the territory yourselves and build it yourselves. So we've gone from um, not really true, kind of true sometimes to do not ever assume that your distributor is actually a partner in building your brand, even though that is traditionally the case. Yeah. Yeah um so anyway you need to know the costs um associated with both options and if maybe maybe if you phase this like you're going to start with your tap room and then two years down the line you're you're visualizing that you're going to be able to make enough beer that you're not going to be able to serve it all in your tap room or to go in your tap room and so you want to do some minimal self-distribution you know what additional storage space do you need what additional people software whatever do you need And then um, if you're going to go third party, what are the expenses that are involved with that? So good to know those in your business plan stages, even though you may not be acting on them until later. Yeah,
0: And that's something that breweries that are already open, small breweries that are already open can start thinking about early as well of, okay, I'm seeing what's moving across our bar. I'm seeing what's moving uh, when we do packaging in-house and then building towards that possible eventual Distribution step.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that's something to always keep an eye on. You you really ideally want to make so much beer that you're never going to run out in your tap room, which necessarily would create some overage, especially you know seasonally. So you're you're going to have some overage. What are you going to do with it? Um, are you going to run specials, growler specials? You're going to do some extra packaging. Then what are you going to do with it? So looking at self distribution, I think is super smart regardless even if it's just one or two accounts.
0: Yeah. You mentioned even seasonal though because obviously for larger breweries that have um larger footprints and they're making more beer um I mean I, I always joke about the seasonal creep of seeing Oktoberfest on the shelves in February. Oh, um uh yeah no I do too but it's 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 one of those things though for smaller breweries uh if you are distributing being mindful of the calendar ahead and when you might have to start making stuff that is not you know, necessarily the, you know, the time for it. It's you know, people who are making pumpkin beers and in August, sometimes maybe that's too late um, for certain distributors.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, I point to Sam Adams for that only because when I, was because <laughs>
0: they are all about seasonal creep.
1: Right. And um, when I was running the craft beer program at the Vail Cascade, and then working with other destination resorts after that, they were the first to switch. And then I was in, in Vail. And so in ski season, we want ski season to last as long as ski season can possibly last. And we want it to feel like ski season the whole time. So drinking any sort of spring type of beer is something we want to put off as long as possible. We want winter to last as long as possible. Yeah. So um, we were always asking the, the distributor um, to please order extra of the winter kegs so that we could hold off on spring, please, as long as we could until March or April, if we could get away with it. And when they started stocking them January 1st, it was always horrifying. But it's a really good rule of thumb too, exactly to your point. Don't make so much of any seasonal item that you're going to be stuck with it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that when you talk about distribution, the distributors are not going to want that. Um. You You, you don't want to have anything left in your, brewery or in their warehouse that's pumpkin anything uh for sure the day after christmas but probably even the day after thanksgiving
0: yes um some might even argue um don't make pumpkin beers at all um
1: <laughs> yes
0: sorry my bias is showing It is. um 100 it, it's uh i i've documented it well Uh i i it's if it's for you that's great it's just not for me um so you I want to go back to something that you said earlier of folks saying okay I'm going to get a distributor they're going to go um uh do my sales for me and that's obviously not going to happen. What are there there's obviously going to be questions that a distributor has if they are taking on um new breweries uh that they're going to have for um uh for these breweries before they decide to make a decision if they're going to take them on or not but what are some, some some questions that a small brewery should have queued up before they start taking meetings with distributors? What should they be looking for in the relationship outside of okay, you're going to get my beer from point A to point B?
1: Um, so there's a billion things that come to mind there. Um, first and foremost, though, let's let's couch that question with an assumption that you've already done your own homework and you know okay. what your own costs of products are. Yes. Um, your, your whole like laid in. This is what cost me to make this beer so that you're walking into any conversation being 100 percent clear on what you can produce, how much you can produce and what it costs you to produce it. So, you know what your own um, what you require of this partnership to not lose any money um, and questions to ask wholesalers. Um, another piece of homework that could also be a question is what other brands of of beer, but also of other products does this wholesaler carry? Um, how would you fit into this portfolio? And how could the wholesaler assure you ensure that you get the mind share of their sales team? That's a really big deal. You may have, you may be going to a wholesaler and may have chosen them because they're larger, and so they're going to hit more accounts, and there's more opportunity for you. But you also need to be mindful that that opportunity only really seeds itself if their salespeople mention that you're part of their portfolio. If if they if you never come up in conversation, that retailer has every reason not to know you exist. So I, I think that that assurance by the wholesaler that that they care about you. They're excited about your brand. They think it's a really good fit for their portfolio and and telling you how they are going to ensure that you get that that promotional opportunity, that mind share, that um, introduction, that tasting. You 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 really want the retailers to be tasted on your products. You need to be assured that all that's happening in your interviews at the beginning. Um, You need to be assured that you're going to get payment in a timely manner. You need to be sure they're going to be storing your beer in an appropriate way. Uh, you need to know what the shelf life is of your beer um, refrigerated, not refrigerated. You need to know if you want only refrigerated space in a retailer, because if you're on a warm floor shelf stack, you only get X amount of shelf life. So yeah. there's are a lot of variables that you might not be thinking about right up front that you need to be careful to have done the research on and then get assurances from the reseller wholesaler about
0: is is there room for anything aside from cans these days in a distributor relationship
1: uh well I assume that you're assuming draft yes um
0: yeah because think- bottles aren't really uh part of the conversation as much anymore
1: um, They're not, but I, I do think that there is a lot to be said for being unique right now because there's just so much saturation that if you can do something a little different, I do think it gets some notice. And one of the things, this is a fun, like one of my first memories of Peter Archer when he was first brought on or, or we first met him for Avery was when he said, you know what, try to put that 22 ounce bomber or the 25.4 ounce specialty beer in the wine section. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said for doing things like that that are not expected. Um, and I, I I, do think that fancy bottles have a place, particularly on the fine dining table, that we're losing because we're going to cans. And so in, a, in the right space at the right time, in the right place with the right distributor, particularly one that might be specializing in wine sales maybe, there could be some good opportunity there. In large part, especially if you're talking about, you know, outdoor sports areas, it's all cans for good reason. It's definitely if you're shipping long distances, cans for good reason, freight, uh, I don't know, it's just better for the beer, all sorts of kinds of things. Um, but I I I personally don't think bottles are dead.
0: Um it's just hard to see them on shelves. I, I mean I'm I'm I know. Right yeah, right yeah. Here. Um but what about distributors looking for other can sizes? I mean, the we've we've seen the twelve, we've seen the sixteen. Uh, there's some eight that are out there that can be kind of fun for certain beers. Um, the nineteen point twos are, I guess the new bombers uh, and those seem to be doing gangbusters for uh, some of the larger uh, breweries that are out there and for certain high ABV beers um, is, our alternative format, aside from the twelve and sixteen, are, are they something that smaller breweries should be thinking about if they have the canning capability?
1: Well, I was that's what I was going to point to is canning capability. As long yeah. as the as long as the cans have the same lid and have the same like diameter, radius, whatever, you you, you can use the same canning machine and and often. Um, as soon as you change to though an eight ounce or and I think the 19 twos are the same possibly too I think you start losing that flexibility of using the same equipment um, so I think there are some efficiencies there that are maybe more important or more valuable or, or more impactful to the bottom line than the creative options uh, so I would, I would say that it makes a lot it's pretty smart to stay with the dimensions of the can that can be used with the same machine.
0: There's so much that you've, you've, you know, said already. And my, my mind is sort of bouncing around as I'm uh, I'm thinking about this nebulous topic. Um, But I wanted to go back to sales staff and, you know, the distributors are not going to sell the beer for you. They'll get it to the, to the stores, but they're not going to to help you move it. Um, Even if you are, doing the self-distribution route um how important is it to have a sale like a dedicated at least one dedicated uh salesperson who's out there um and what's a good amount um a solid amount of accounts that a small brewery should start off with and i i I know everybody's going to be different but and there might not be a singular sweet, sweet number, but um, is it, does it make sense to start small and grow from there or shoot for the moon at first?
1: Um, We're, we're limiting this to self-distribution, right?
0: Sure. Yes.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, I would say that you should start distributing to one account and you should start by making that part of somebody's job. Um, Make it a very part-time thing, um, a delivery a check in on that account once a week. How's it going? How's it moving? Any issues? Uh, Maybe go patronize that establishment. Um, If it's on premise, you know, go eat a meal. Um, Maybe that, maybe that's that person's mission. Maybe it's somebody else, you know, maybe everybody's in support of that, but I would start very, very small. I would um, make it someplace special where you can say, I'm going to give you the exclusive opportunity to carry what we're doing. Maybe a friend, um, you need to to start slow in order to um, start learning the language, learning the cadence, um, figuring out where you want your placements, learn the strategy of I want my I want to earn my space in the liquor store cooler at eye level on the handle of the door. I mean, those are stuff that's not obvious to anybody who hasn't been in that before. Um, or I want to focus on on on-premise, I want to be in restaurants. Okay, what does that mean? Are you going to go in? Are you going to train the sales staff? Are you going to do a tasting with them? Are you going to work on pairings with their menu? All of that is awesome to do. Are you going to have coasters or any sort of POS for that liquor store or for that restaurant? Um, There's so many elements of distribution that you kind of need to get your arms around it. Once you get comfortable with it, and i would say you know grow it once you once you get to probably half a dozen accounts you're you're moving away from something that somebody could do on the side as as part of a dish, another role in your business maybe you're still at part time um but it's becoming one person's job if it wasn't before um and and then once you get to maybe 10 accounts or 12 accounts or upwards towards 20 accounts, then you're looking at a dedicated person. And it may be that one person does the sales calls and the deliveries. I mean it, at some yeah. level you can do that and that's your person that's your go-to. They clean the draft lines if that's the responsibility of the brewery or distributor in your state. Uh, maybe they're the ones that are troubleshooting. If there's an you know restaurant draft line that's acting up, you know, somebody's got to be called at 10 o'clock at night on Friday night. Who is that person? Yeah. Um, so so finding those things out, but I would start very small. I would be very deliberate. And one of the other risks about self-distribution is that you do not want to run the risk of running out of beer in your tap room in order to service these accounts and keep them stocked. So be very cautious that you're being conservative with that and you're never going to run out of beer for your accounts. And if you do stock the account, that you'll be out of beer in the tap room. So, so think about that too.
0: Yeah. Um, There's also uh, added expenses to take on with self-distribution as well of infrastructure or vehicles and maintenance. And um, it can start to add up pretty quickly if you're not paying attention.
1: Yes. And that's one of the cons for sure. Um, But remember, you're also making the portion of the margin that would go to that third-party distributor. So um, it's, it's really worth it to To do that, but be wise in your selection of delivery vehicle. I know some places that do it with a bicycle. Um, that, then you're being really mindful about where your accounts are. Um, but be mindful about the vehicle, who's driving the vehicle, how often are you going to be the one driving the vehicle? What happens if the vehicle breaks down? Um, remember, you're going to need a little bit more storage space if you're creating more beer for these accounts. Um, you're going to need dollies. You're going to need um, some sort of software tracking. If, it's, if you're in a COD state, this is something you should check on. Some states require that the retailers pay you upon delivery for your alcohol. Um, in states like Colorado, they get 30 days to pay you. So remember that you've got a cash float there where you've got the beer out there, but you don't have any money for it yet. Um, so you're gonna have to track that and do collections. And that's either another aspect of that person's job or that's an office position as well. That somebody's gonna need to do. Yeah. So um, so that's good to to keep in mind. And I I just was talking about this with Kerry Shumway, um, who does the distribution portion of the University of Vermont classes. And he's he's a, a financial person, and he he was very um strong in advising anybody who does self-distribution to account for that in your financials as a separate business. So you actually want to sell the beer in your financials from your uh, brewery to your self distribution wing arm, whatever you want to call that. Um, so you can crunch the costs separately for for the costs you're incurring on the self distribution side, as differently and separately from the cost of running your brewery and tap room. So um, I think that's that's really important to think of it that way. This is another business that you're running within your business.
0: Yeah. If a small brewer starts off with self-distribution, what's a question or two or three um, that they should be routinely asking themselves um, when it comes to either scaling up and getting an outside distributor involved um, or potentially scaling down and just going back to the tap room to go model sales? I keep feeling um, like I, I I'm I, it's such yeah, a nebulous I, topic that it's no
1: I hear you I hear you I think it's a question that they that should be asked routinely one hundred percent and the question is is the self distribution distracting me or causing damage to my original purpose my original mission my original dream um and would scaling that up larger do damage would making that go away be a blessing. How is the financial benefit outweighing like the the daily distraction? I guess distraction is the best word, but problems and the the whole rigmarole that comes with running another business within your business. You know how how does that work for you? And in in that same consideration is um, if I hand this off to a formal distributor, I'm going to be giving up half the margin I'm getting from self distribution that's including all your costs. Um, It's even more dramatic if you're comparing it to selling beer over the bar. Um, I'm losing such a big portion of that margin, does it still serve me? And there are plenty of business models that, that work just fine with selling beer over the bar, maybe a small amount of packaging to go from your tap room that don't rely on distribution at all. And I think that it's an easier consideration to say, yes, this makes sense. If you're in a COD state to be able to say, Hey, I can make a little extra beer and I can um, send that down to the local restaurant or support my community or send it to the, you know, nearby bottle shop. And that's awesome. It's a marketing thing. It's, it's awareness, but if that's costing me more than I'm actually, you know, creating in, in new business or, or in profit, then, then it doesn't make sense. And I think that you need to be mindful especially when you're in this business plan this original business plan creation you need to be mindful that that may not be a direction that makes sense but for some people they they do want to go in the i want to expand and then i want to be regional and then i want to be national and this is this is my dream and if that's the case you need to make sure you design your costs and your strategies appropriately so that you're planning to scale to the level that it makes financial sense because it it is a challenge of scale
0: Every brewery, as we know, uh, all ten thousand in the U.S. right now is uh, different and uh, operating in in different ways. Um, so know thy business. Know right. um, what what you what you want to be. Um, I will encourage everybody to go visit startabrewery.com because there is a lot of great resources out there, even for breweries that are already open and not necessarily thinking about starting, but, uh, that are, that are currently operating. Uh, but certainly for those in startup mode, there's, there's great information like this. Um, and then obviously distribution insight for the craft brewer, uh, Laura's wonderful book that everybody should have. Um, Laura, thanks for, for being on the show again, and thanks for, for sharing your insights.
1: No, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's amazing to me how evergreen some of this information is. It has really stood the test of time.
0: I was I was trying to think of something clever to say and then I, <laughs> I just blanked.
1: <laughs> it doesn't always have to be done. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk through this though. It's an awesome topic and it's one that doesn't get a lot of attention.
0: Well. Uh, We're going to have to come back to this again soon, and I hope you'll join us then.
1: I would be delighted to. Thanks, Laura. Yes.
0: More in a moment, but first, thanks to this episode's sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. Fermentis. Nanobrewers, try adding a cider to your lineup. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Safe Cider Range, four cider strains available in five gram pouches, the perfect size for you. Just make your choice or try them all. To learn more about how Fermentis can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentis.com. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They love being able to give back to the industry, which is why they've kicked off their ninth keg Viking giveaway. The grand prize is their state-of-the-art keg Viking keg washer, plus a full pallet of half-barrel kegs from G4 Kegs. Check out more details and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Brewer's Publications knows that safety is an essential ingredient for your brewery's success. Check out their book, Brewery Safety principles processes and people the first and only safety book for the craft brewing industry this comprehensive guide is a must read for breweries of all sizes looking to implement a successful safety program and put themselves on the path to success order your copy at brewerspublications.com byopod and apply code byopod for 10 percent off through december 31st 2023 With a passion for beer beginning in college, Will Loring started the beer program at a local Fredericksburg grocer in 2012. This eventually led him to the distribution side, where he worked as a sales rep for many years before becoming the area sales manager of Richmond, Virginia. With over a decade's worth of experience in the beer industry, Will set off to co-found Lesser Known Beer Co., which opened in July of 2022 dedicated to service and keeping it simple the brewery is focused on traditional styles offered in a comfortable and inviting atmosphere he joins me via zoom will welcome to the show uh i it's fairly well known that if somebody says the word lager around me posts about lager on social media um, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to get excited. And when it's people that I know and and trust and they're introducing me to a new-to-me lager brewery, I'm going to take interest. So I'm, I'm excited that you're here. And I hope you can tell me just a little bit about Lesser Known and what you and Ryan have done you know, to build this brewery in the image that excites you both.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, this definitely goes back a long way for us, uh, you know, getting into beer pretty young. And I, you know, I like to explain going through the, you know, the craft beer pipeline of flavor. Wow. It can taste like this more flavor and then sliding out the other side, being like, "Boy, I wish something was just cold and easy to drink. And this kind of just developed over time. Uh, with us traveling for whenever was the best. Um, this leads to multiple trips to Germany and the Czech Republic, kind of doing research and eventually landing on getting someplace open in in Winston-Salem, um, and just trying to focus on simple, clean, well-executed lagers, some ales, um, you know, but using as authentic, of ingredients and techniques that we can based on, you know, some of the beers we've had, you know, especially overseas, Um, you know, traveling, you know, not just to Prague, but we've been to the malt house in, uh, you know, down in Moravia and getting tours at Unatiki or Shunram and, you know, seeing all the open fermentation breweries that we could and incorporating that into what we do. So, you know, feeling that those things while some may think they are old, you know, that there's newer malt and the yeast is fine in closed vessels, but we feel that you know, um, using malt from those from those areas and open fermenting and decocting and naturally carving gives the beer a certain character that you just don't get when you skip some of those steps.
0: Can you go a little bit deeper as to those characters? Because I I know you know the 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 long running joke is you know this is going to be the year for for craft logger and <laughs> really? um you know and then Ashley Carter at Beer Status said that logger's on a five hundred year winning streak so she doesn't understand that but um the brewers that are approaching loggers with intent. Um, and mm-hmm. thinking about the history and thinking about the process, um, regardless of size, I think are the ones that stand out mm-hmm. in, in my mind and in my uh, on my palate, at least um, as somebody who enjoys drinking them quite a bit. Um, um So can you go just a little bit deeper as to what you're looking for and what you're you're hoping folks experience? Yeah,
2: yeah I think there's. um yeah, I you know I guess this is gonna this is gonna go back to the traveling again over there, but you know it's it's great if you've been to Munich and you drank Augustiner, that's that's cool, that's one step, and maybe you've also been to Bamberg and you drank Schlankerla. cool, step two, but going to the countryside and drinking Keller beer, you know, at, in the Keller at Witzgall and Mama Witzgall is pouring your beer and also doing laundry in the back and they make one beer and it's everyone in this 600 person town drinks it and it's just this incredible mélange of delicate hoppiness and you know malt balance in this you know somewhat hazy lager um, i think that's that character that you don't find very often uh truly anywhere um so you know, Vitzkall would be one. I, you know, Browery Grease, a friend of ours who's over right now, you know, he makes a Keller beer and he just perfects that. And it's his own expression. And it's not, not that there's anything wrong with the larger brewery, but it isn't, you lose character the bigger you get. Um, I think that's just natural for, for brewing. I mean, you can't just let something sit in tanks forever just because, you know, you're on a production schedule. So I think we certainly admire a lot of those smaller producers, maybe in the villages. Um, again, I've mentioned Unitiki, you know, like, yeah, you can find it in Prague and everyone's going to go and probably drink Pilsner Urquell, which is fantastic there. Like I love going to the Golden Tiger and drinking Pilsner Urquell, but there's so much other great Czech pale lager being made as well with again character and I think all of that comes from sometimes the smaller system and you know all of those little processes you know I've I've been to Pilsner Cullen I mean they're not you get to taste it you know from the barrel in the cellar but you're yeah. not using that to blend and package and <laughs> ship mm-hmm. to pubs. So yeah.
0: There's <laughs> With the style, there's always this talk of um, quality and consistency, but um, great lager makers that I talk to are always looking to tweak, looking to refine, looking to improve batch after batch. And you just sort of mentioned that as well. Um, is there a fallacy in your mind to staying static?
2: Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think that's a, I know beer, we think of as meant you should repeat it and it should be the same every time but i mean yeah that's just impossible the grain varies the hops vary it is an agricultural product to think that it is this thing that should be static is you know perpetuated by mass breweries that need it to be that but uh, beer can't i mean it's just impossible you can get the sugar to the level you want it every time and then you still got to let the yeast do its thing and usually it's going to be pretty similar you hope but there's just no accounting for uh, it just being a natural product you know that's so you just you try and get close but you know batches some batches are better than others and that is what it is it's just whether you dump them down the drain or not
0: (laughs) um so can we expect to see you guys doing laundry if we show up at at the brewery
2: (laughs) Uh, well i usually take the rags home and i do them at my house but for you yes gladly uh (laughs) be air drying (laughs) the laundry (laughs) in the courtyard um what's
0: consumer response been since um since since you've opened up and since you've been um you're clearly passionate about this are folks following through or is everybody still walking through and asking where your citron mosaic hazy is
2: (laughs) uh we we thought we would deal with more of that for sure um but the response has been good. Um, I think we also, you know, we, we wanted to be kind of two things. One, the neighborhood brewery, you know, the pub that's, that that hasn't gone out of style to, I guess, for Ashley, you, people want to go to a comfortable place and drink in their neighborhood. Right. So we're set up for that. That's our regulars that we see four times a week. They come in after work, they drink their two beers, they go home. But also if, you are a super nerd and you come in and you see, wow, you guys are just pouring directly off of the lagering tank. Why is that? Well, come on back and I'll show you and I will explain it and take the time. And, you know, we can go deep and try our water. And this is why this, you know, here's the grain, you know, take a sample. You know, we try and cater to both people. um, And so so far I think successfully um, we have, you know there's no more slow days um it seems to resonate pretty well and while we also do have we do have a hoppy beer on because we still enjoy those things when yeah. they're done well um but yeah uh the check dark lager or you know our 12 plato you know check pale are the ones that you know we don't fill growlers of because we do not need to like those people come in for those and You get a half liter, there's no tasters, there's no flights, just pick a beer and drink three, you know, that has actually gone pretty well.
0: So you're focusing on keeping your beers within your walls, you, you, you'll do some growlers um, uh, to go, but by and large, you want folks to come to your place, enjoy the beer there, much like when you've been traveling throughout Europe um, and experiencing beer in those places. Um Absolutely. what what was that the, those early conversations like between you and Ryan? Um because I, I I imagine based on conversations that I've had in the past, there's continuously this pull from uh, drinkers from the industry writ large of well, you got to grow, 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 or how big are you going to get? Or how many, you know, how many accounts are you going to have? Or how many states are you going to be in? like, there's, and I've been guilty of asking these questions in advance, just mm-hmm. assuming that folks want to open and get large and right. it's harder now. Um, but what were those early conversations like with, with you and Ryan and how do things stand now?
2: I mean, those, those definitely developed from, you know partly my history in distribution and I mean watching beer change from what I got in you know 2014 to getting out in mid 2021 that is a very very different landscape for a lot of breweries Um, and I worked you know just with craft uh, brewers where I was and man I do not envy anyone who's under I don't even know 20,000 barrels, if you're trying to stay on a set or keep lines, uh, you know, I just uh, that that was difficult. And it was my job to <laughs> make sure those things still happen. But um, I, when I left, we really, really did not want to have to deal with that um, again. So that's part of it. And the other is, uh, as soon as beer leaves your brewery, you lose control. Um, so I, I think it's, it's bums us out a lot of the time when there's a brewer that is extremely passionate about what they're doing and they are exacting and trying to make their best beer and then it gets poured with no head in a shaker pint glass that's dirty at a bar and you know that doesn't happen every time but seeing that you know how that beer has changed you know we've just found that I mean, drinking draft beer <clears throat> fresh where it's from is generally the better experience. So that's just what we would like. We would That's how we would like people to experience our beer in the setting we've created, you know, with music playing, no TVs, you know, all of the little things and, you know, our, the, our glassware, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things make a difference and, you know, can influence the drinker. At the time that they're drinking, as well.
0: Do you feel like that it gives you a little bit of peace of mind as a as a brewer, as an owner, with Absolutely. that approach?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, we. It's also you know, we are very small. I am working in the tasting room every day. I'm pouring the beer. You know, we have a couple part timers who go through a lot of training to learn how we want different beers poured, but. If you come through on a Saturday, Ryan is in the back pouring off the tank and you can go ask him a question. You know, we are there. I think that, um, you know, doesn't happen that often anymore. And that's too bad um, because I hope people, while you can have wonderful employees, the passion will never be there. Um, So I think that kind of just that helps us tell that story.
0: do you think that i mean obviously every business is 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 different um but because of that grow 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 nature um have you had conversations with other brewers about taking a breath and saying okay yeah if you're going to open if you're going to be small um stay within your four walls here's why it's worked for us is
2: yeah we we definitely have them come through and they uh you know, they're always like, man, I can't believe you're doing it like this. And we're like, yeah, you could too. You don't have to grow. We don't always know everyone's financial implications and who they're beholden to, but man, I, we feel it's usually better if you're, I don't know, or at least grow slow. But yeah, this, this idea that every year has to be better than the next isn't just not true. I, we, you know, are. I live fine. I don't, I'm not a millionaire, uh, obviously, and that will never happen, but I'm comfortable and I enjoy what I do every day. So I don't want the stress of distribution or, you know, uh, going out of state, all that, that comes with that. I think that's just, I, I know that was the, that's what you were supposed to do, but there are plenty of breweries, you know, in Germany that just supply the 300 people in their town and have done that for a hundred years. And that's okay.
0: Yeah. No, I, 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 I like that approach. And I like knowing that there are places that I can go and visit like Winston Salem, um, that I can only drink your beer there. Like that as a, as a beer drinker, as a traveler, um, that kind of excites me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's been, it's been working out um, well for you all. We're, we're sort of in yeah. this uh, beginning of Oktoberfest season. Uh, are you all embracing yep, yep. that with, with gusto? Oh
2: yeah. We had to, unfortunately we actually had ours this past Saturday because lining up the food truck was a whole thing, but cause they come up from Charlotte and blah, blah, blah. But we had ours last week and it was, we do ticketed um, so that we don't get overrun and it's three hours per session. Again, so people maybe don't over imbibe, but it was sold out and successful. And I think people have a good time. And um, we did a uh, you know last year we had done kind of a fest ish with the new uh, Fireman Isarium malt, and so we did that again this year. But then also uh, did a Meritson and, and released that on October Fest. Just and we just did Gravity casks of both of those and. Uh, was I think has gone over well so far. um yeah. So, that. Yeah, it's, so we got both of those, and then we just did hell. I mean, it was just three beers, half liters. <clears throat> That's it. Uh, those are your options. You know, the people have too many choices these days. Just keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, there's four beers on the board right now. That's it.
0: That's cool. If, uh. if, if
2: one of those doesn't, if you don't want a light lager, I don't know what to tell you because. 99% of the world does so
0: yeah um, God, it's the it's it's the exact you you have the exact kind of brewery that I want to open in my town and I just can't <laughs> seem to make it happen so um, I'll just have to come down and visit um, Will, yeah. thanks for thanks for taking the time thanks for sharing the insight inside the brewery and uh, of course. why keeping things inside of your wall Uh, works for you. And I hope that when folks are visiting your part of the state that they go and spend a lot of time at your bar drinking from your four foretakes.
2: Yeah, come say hi. I will be there. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: What are your distribution questions and how have you approached that part of the business for your brewery? You can tell us by emailing nano at byo.com or better yet, Tag BYO on all of the various BYO social media channels. And I'll invite you to head over to byo.com slash nanopodcast. There you can subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and catch up with great pro-brewing content. New episodes of this show are released on the 15th of each month, so subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing nano at byo.com or checking in with us on all of the various BYO social media channels. As always, thanks to this episode's sponsors. Mentis, nano Brewers. try adding a cider to your lineup. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Safe Cider Range, four cider strains available in five gram pouches, the perfect size for you. Just make your choice or try them all. To learn more about how Fermentis can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentis.com. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They love being able to give back to the industry, which is why they've kicked off their ninth keg Viking giveaway. The grand prize is their state-of-the-art keg Viking keg washer, plus a full pallet of half-barrel kegs from G4 Kegs. Check out more details and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. And BYO Nano podcast listeners, prioritize workplace safety and save when you order brewery safety, principles, processes, and people at brewerspublications.com slash BYOPOD with discount code BYOPOD by December 31st, 2023. As a brewery owner or employee, it's important to be aware of the hazards you may encounter, including physical injuries, chemical irritations, biological hazards, and even psychosocial hazards. Order your copy of Brewery Safety and learn the necessary steps to identify and avoid these risks. Visit BrewersPublications.com slash BYOPod today. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer Think Beer podcast from All About Beer. You can find that where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small
1: but successful brew day.